title of today's message is going to be the kingdom of hope and we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 if you want to turn there in your Bibles and we're going to be going through pretty much just about the whole chapter several scriptures in there it's been said in the popular media that we are experiencing the end of hope in our culture that the world out there is just getting so bad that it's hard for us to be able to look up anymore and see anything positive that it's hard for us to watch the news and then say, wow, you know, I, I just want to keep living in this world. It's, I mean, things are just getting so bad. There's so much fighting. There's so much social chaos going on in our country that, that it just makes our hearts heavy, doesn't it? I mean, it can just kind of steal away our peace. It can steal away our joy. It can make us feel very overwhelmed with the, the culture that we live in today. And how many people here would confess to saying, man, I, I feel overwhelmed sometimes. I feel overwhelmed. I can't turn on the news without just shaking my head and saying, come, Lord Jesus. Some people out there may not feel overwhelmed by culture. Maybe you don't turn on the TV. Maybe you don't watch um, the news programs or read the newspapers or anything like that. But you have a different kind of overwhelmed in that you feel isolated or you feel alone or you feel lonely in life. Some of you are struggling with different things like that. Some people struggle with just being buried under the weight of everything you carry in life. You have to work a job. You have to raise a family. You have to go to school. You have to uh, do all these other things and you just feel like you're just buried underneath this pile of responsibility. Maybe some of you are carrying shame. Maybe some of you are carrying guilt because of your past actions and your past sins. Maybe that's something you just keep carrying through your life. And it just sometimes feels like your life is that you're at the bottom of this pit looking up and there's no handholds and there's no way out and you have this utter feeling of hopelessness that comes upon you at times that you just struggle with throughout your life. You know, the world that we live in has its version of hope. You know, there's a commercial on TV about a credit card that says membership has its privileges. And if you want to get an American Express card, you can get an American Express card because it, they want to make you feel good about it. You know, you get an American Express card and you say, you know, membership has its privileges. I'm going to take this American Express card and I'm going to like slap it down to pay for something and they're going to say, wow, that person has an American Express card. They must be doing pretty well financially. You know, I mean, they don't hand out American Express cards to just anybody. And so you're waiting for that, that kind of person to look at you like, wow, you have an American Express card? And you, and you want to kind of feel that, that good feeling and that, that idea that you're in this exclusive membership and, and something that, that is going to bring you recognition. But if you think about it, what is that commercial trying to sell us? Are they, are they trying to sell us another credit card? Is that, is that the, the principle behind it? Or are they actually trying to sell us hope towards something? They're trying to sell us hope that you'll be recognized, hope that you'll be one of this crowd over here. And we understand this because that's what all commercials are selling, if you think about it, is they're selling hope. They're saying, well, if you buy this, if you buy this product, then you are going to stand out or it's going to fulfill a need that you have within you that has been sucked out from this world that has taken that hope away from you. And that's what this billion dollar industry is trying to sell us is hope. And the world understands 
we need hope. The world understands that, and the church in particular understands this, and Jesus understands this. He under, they understand that we need to feel special. We need to be, feel like we're one of the in crowd. And we need a sense of belonging to something that is bigger than ourselves. Those of us that are in the kingdom of God should know exactly where our hope comes from. You know, just like having an American Express card has its benefits, being a citizen of the kingdom has its benefits. After forgiveness of sins and the assurance of heaven, the ability to live with a positive and hopeful outlook is one of the key principles that will bring you peace. It is one of the principles that is going to make your character and your life attractive to those who do not know Jesus. Now let's define terms. What does hope mean? The definition of hope from Webster's Dictionary is a feeling of optimism or a desire that something good will happen. And that's going to be the big idea that we're going to look at today, is that being a member of the kingdom should bring you hope. And that hope that you have should be very, very contagious to other people. It should make people look at you and say, why are you like the way you are? Why do you have so much hope when everything around us seems to be falling apart? And it's that thing that's going to draw people to you so that you can point them to the Savior. Let's pray. Father God, we just ask, Father, that in this day where so many things would distract us, where so many things would be piled upon us to strip away any hope that we would have, that you would restore that today in each one of our hearts through the influence of your Holy Spirit and the teaching and preaching of your word. Lord God, help this word judge the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. Help it to divide into soul and spirit to point out the ways that we, the beliefs and the ways that we have that don't line up with your word and your will. Father God, just use this time to do some heart surgery on us, Father, so that we can be the representatives that you have called us to be. And we ask this in your name. Amen. I want to look at three different hopes that we have as kingdom citizens. And the first hope that we have is a present hope. And that is found in Romans 8, verse 1. There is now no condemnation. Say that with me. There is now no condemnation. Say that again. No condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is an incredible promise in the Word of God. Now, there are two things about this promise that I want to show you this morning. The first point of this promise is that your sins are gone. If you have bowed the knee to Jesus Christ and you have... Uh, have accepted him as your Lord and as your Savior, your sins are gone. Period. Exclamation point. They are gone. They are paid for by the blood of Jesus. They are wiped away. We stand before God, spiritually speaking, when he sees us, he sees us standing in a white robe, that has been washed with the blood of Jesus. 
He cannot see us any other way and still cause his children. That is the core of our favorite verse of the Bible, which is John 3.16, that God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the core of that central verse in the Bible. It is by faith that you are saved, not by works. It's a gift that is given through the grace of God. Now, many people may be sitting here thinking, well, I know that's what the Bible says, but you don't understand my life. You don't understand the things I come in here with, the struggles I have, the sin that, that so easily entangles me. You don't seem to understand some of these things that are in my life that I don't show anybody here because I'm afraid that they'd throw me out. I mean, that, that's what some of you are probably thinking and saying, that you don't understand what I was doing last night or last week or something. You don't understand these things I struggle with. Yeah, I just keep messing up. I keep committing sin. And the world would want to throw this in, in your face if they knew about it. That's why you try to keep it hidden. That's why you try to keep it secret. And I would say to you, welcome to being human. I'm not excusing sin. I'm not saying that you, sh that you should continue in your sin. You should make every effort to get rid of it. But some of this stuff's a lifelong process. But you should... But you should Trust in the verse that said there is no condemnation. None. I'm not saying shall we continue to sin that grace may increase. I'm saying that there is no condemnation. Do not allow yourself to be shackled with the past because God has wiped away that past. And he wants you to come into a glorious future. You know, some of us are like Martin Luther. He was... Uh, Catholic priest existed in the 1500s. Many of you know him as the father of the Reformation. He was uh, burdened and just tortured in his spirit because he never felt he could measure up to God. He did all of the religious exercises he possibly could, including doing something called the Scala Sancta. The Scala Sancta was you had to go to Rome, and Rome had these 28 stairs that you could climb on your knees and say a prayer at every step. And you'd go up these incredibly hard, rough marble steps, and by the time you got to the top, the Pope said that you had a, what's called a, ple a plenary indulgence, which means all your sin at that point was wiped away and you were good, if you just did this religious exercise. So people would do this, and Martin Luther did this. So he's, he's on his knees, and he's... <clears throat> you know, crawling up this thing and praying, and you got to figure, 28 marble steps on your bare knees? I mean, what are your knees going to look like when you get to the top of that thing? I mean, they're just going to be torn up, aren't they? So people are doing this in an effort to please God. And, and, he, got to this, and he got to the top of the steps, and he's, he's going, I don't feel any different. I still feel tortured by my past. I still feel tortured by my struggle. I still have all these voices in my mind that are, that are torturing me, that, that are condemning me, that are, are keeping me flat in my relationship with God. And this man was so tortured in his soul by religion, he didn't get set free until the Catholic Church kind of just wrote him off. He said, okay, you're not making it as a monk. Maybe we'll just make you a teacher. You seem to know your Bible. We're going to put you over here in Wittenberg. You're going to sit here and you're going to teach college students what the Bible says. So they have monks coming in, but none of them know Latin. So he has to translate the Bible from high Latin into German, um, which was the language at the time. 
So he's starting to translate the Bible, and he gets to Romans 1.17 that says that the righteous will live by faith. And it was like the Holy Spirit flooded him when he read that. The righteous will live by faith, not by religious exercise, not by crawling up steps on your knees, not by how many times you cross yourself, not by how many prayers you pray. The righteous will live by faith. That's why our hope and our trust is in the gift that God gives us through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's not only in the gift, it's in the giver of the gift. And it's not in your ability to hang on to that gift. He does all the work. Jesus said, my burden is light. It's light because he's carrying the load. We just have to walk with him. Imagine a prisoner for a moment. You're locked up in a, in a prison cell on death row. And the hour's getting toward midnight. Seems they always execute people at midnight for some reason. It's 11.30, and you're starting to sweat. You hear the guards come in with their chains. They're going to walk you to the electric chair. And they, they shackle you up, and you're shuffling down the hallway. They're yelling, dead man walking, dead man walking. And, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing the electric chair, and they're sitting you down in it, and they're strapping you in. They put the sponge on your head. They do all this stuff, getting ready to end your life. And all of a sudden, the red phone rings. It's the governor giving you a pardon. The governor saying, you, I have pardoned you. I have found evidence that you are not guilty of this crime. Therefore, I am pardoning you, and I am setting you free. You are no longer going to be executed. This is exactly what Jesus did for us. But how many of us would choose to keep the chains on? How many of us choose that in our daily lives? We choose to keep the chains around our wrists and around our ankles. We need not be sitting in the electric chair, but we're still shuffling around as a dead man walking because we don't believe in the pardon that was given to us. You can't you take that pardon, but you cannot take this pardon as a get-out-of-jail-free card for your future. That's why there is a little bit of a condition here. Just like that person may have been set free from the electric chair, you can't go out and then re and commit a sin again and expect that pardon to mean anything. There is a little bit of a condition on this pardon here. It says that there is now no condemnation, and that leads us to the second point of this promise. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who gives us the Holy Spirit. It says, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he puts this little condition on there and says, you have to be in Christ Jesus, and he gives you the Holy Spirit. You know what? None of us can do this on your own. Just like you are totally and completely helpless, sitting chained in an electric chair, you couldn't free yourself, but somebody could, and they did. He freed you from all of this. He freed you from all of this. But, and the whole, but God not only frees us from the sin, not only frees us from the, the, the punishment for the sin, but he gives us a helper to help us not to sin anymore. And that helper is called the Holy Spirit. 
And that's how the victorious life in the Spirit is accomplished, by walking according to the Spirit. You see, that's the difference between religion and relationship. God wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want you to follow religion. Religion requires you to work for something. And you know what? Religion appeals to most people. You want to know why people choose uh, religions that pretty much you show up on Sunday, you pay a little bit of money, and, and you're going to heaven? That's pretty much what they believe. You know why people like that? Because it's something they can control. It's something that is done on their terms and not God's. It is something that they can point to and say, I did that. I did that. I'm pulling myself up by my own bootstraps and I'm going to get myself into heaven. That's what they're saying to themselves. And self-sufficiency is a great thing and a way to live your life and, and choosing not to be a victim and choosing to work for a living, to, to make your own way in life. That's fine. But spiritually speaking, it's horrible because its root is pride. And pride cannot stand before a holy God. Pride is what casts Lucifer out of heaven. Pride is what keeps people from honestly surrendering to Jesus Christ. That's why Paul is being very clear here. He said, Therefore there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh. Self-sufficiency, spiritually speaking, is walking according to this flesh. Saying, I'm going to do it is walking according to the flesh, trusting in what your abilities are and not what he has already done. Listen, none of us, none of us, even if we got a do-over on life, could ever, ever match what Christ did. Ever. We couldn't even come one one billionth of the way close to what Christ did when he walked this earth. So to think that we're going to get there on our own good behavior, to think that we're going to get there on our own good works is a slap in the face to what he did for us. And when we start to accept this, when we start to get this in our spirits, you're going to understand the living hope that Jesus gives us. And that comes to our second point today. And that is that he gives us a living hope. Romans 8, starting in verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealings of the Son of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. You know, during the introduction of this message, I said that some of us are going through life with this feeling of being buried, this feeling of, of just having this huge weight on us. And we carry these weights. We, we have bills. We have jobs. I mean, most of us are waking up on Monday morning singing, I owe, I owe, so it's off to work I go. So, I mean, I understand that the kind of pressure that we all live with in this, in this, word, in this world and there's never enough money, is there? 
I mean, the bills keep coming, medical bills, electric bills, internet bills, whatever. These bills just keep coming and you keep working. You never seem to be able to get ahead. You might have trouble at your job. You might have a bad boss, bad coworkers. You just have all these things that just keep trying to weigh you down. And then you get home and you, you, you might have a spouse that you're not getting along with or some children that are running wild and mom's fighting with the kids and the kids are fighting with mom and, and the kids are trying to play you against each other and you just have all this pressure and all this weight and everything that's just dragging you down. Not only that, but what about our personal lives that we live inside our heads? Many of us walk around with weight of guilt, the weight of regret, the weight of missed opportunities, and all these things that weigh us down, that, that can steal our hope, that stress us out and hinder, hinder us from living to the full potential that we can in Jesus Christ. And there are people... Christians even, I've met them, that never let go of their past, that never allow the forgiveness that Jesus Christ suffered and died for to wash that all away. People live with those chains on. But that is not our living hope. Our hope is freedom. Our hope is that we have hope. That we actually have the hope of Christ within us. Christ has set us free from all this huge list I just gave, so that we can live victorious lives. He didn't save you so you could go and lose the battle of life. He saved you so you could be a victor. And make no mistake about it, that battle is here. That battle that we are going to go through is happening right now. We talked a little bit about it during Sunday school, about Kim Davis being jailed for expressing her religious beliefs. We see it throughout the media. If you call yourself a Christian, you're immediately called a bigot or racist and whatever vile name they can come up with. We see the persecution that is coming and that is already here right now. Because that's all the world really has for us. Now, when I say the word persecution, what does that do to you? I mean, it, immediately it's kind of like a punch in the gut, isn't it? It's kind of a Oh, man, I don't want to think about persecution. I don't want people to not like me. I don't want to, to have to struggle in my relationship with God. I don't want to have to, to, to be like that where I'm just you know, constantly on alert and constantly just getting slammed for my faith. I don't want that. But you know what? It really hasn't even gotten that bad yet compared to some other people overseas. You know, Jeremiah was living in a day just like ours. And he was complaining to God about how bad the country of Israel and Judah were getting. And he's whining to God. He's like, God, you know, you called me to the ministry. And God, you know, I, I went out and I was obedient and, and I preached your word and nobody listened and they just made fun of me and they just mocked me and they, they, they throw me in, in wells and they do all this kind of stuff. And, and Jeremiah, and you know, God, what am I going to do? And you know what God's answer to him was? If you think this is bad, just wait. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And he tells Jeremiah, he said, you know, Jeremiah, if you have run with the footmen and they're wearing you out, what are you going to do when the horsemen come? If in the land of peace in which you trusted, they wearied you. How are you going to do in the floodplain of the Jordan? In other words, if I could paraphrase this, Jeremiah, 
Right now, you're complaining about the mosquito bite on your arm that itches a little bit. What are you going to do when Goliath stands before you? If you can't handle that mosquito bite? Now, I don't, now I don't say this to bring condemnation on anybody. I'm not saying that you're not measuring up. But I just want to put this in perspective as your pastor, that if you're not living with the hope of Christ and by the Spirit of God, you will be one of these people that fall to the wayside. That is why I, I as your pastor, I, I continue to tell you about these things because I want you to be able to stand. This is why we need to get a heavenly perspective on life. And we need to see ourselves for who God has made us to be. And we see that heavenly perspective in the third way that we have hope, which is a future hope, that we are more than conquerors. Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? Paul's saying, you know, everything I just said, persecution, all these things that trouble us, what shall we say to these things? This is what we say to these things. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, it is also risen. And, it, and who is at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Christ is in heaven praying for us. Who, 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 who can name one prayer that Christ prayed that isn't, who hasn't come to pass? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, it is for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, yet, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. There are people here that need to memorize 37 through 39 and repeat it when you have these feelings welling up within you. Because it's not just the future hope of heaven that he's talking about here. He's talking about the hope that you need when you walk out the door today. He's talking about that spirit that you need to have within you to walk out into this world and say, I am more than a conqueror because the Bible tells me so. Do you know when you walk out this door, you carry the very nature of God. You carry the very presence of God. You carry the very authority of God, and you carry the power of God, because that is why you are still drawing breath to carry this out into this planet and into this world that we call Whitehall, Trempealeau County, or wherever you live. It's to go out and make disciples. We don't realize the position we have in the spiritual realm. And it would be my prayer that God gives us the faith to see that this morning. Because most people live very small lives in the spirit. We live small lives, myself included sometimes. 
Because either they can't or they refuse to see themselves for who they really are in Christ Jesus. Let me illustrate this for you. During the Napoleonic Wars, Napoleon Bonaparte, he was the emperor of France, he was conquering most of Europe at the time. He was standing around, or standing around talking to his generals, and the private that was holding his horse um, let go of the reins for a moment to tie his shoes, and the horse took that opportunity and bolted. So the emperor slash general's horse is running wild through the field. And everybody just sat frozen and stared at the private like, oh, man, have you messed up? Oh, man, has you messed up? But nobody did anything about the horse. Well, another private saw it. He had just, new guy, had just entered the, the army of, of Napoleon. He saw what was going on. He jumped on his horse, ran down Napoleon's horse. This is like the newest guy in the military, did the right thing. Ran down, grabbed Napoleon's horse, led it back to the general, gets off his horse, you know, kneels before the, because he's the emperor, you know, kneels before him and says, your horse, my king. And Napoleon looked at him and said, rise, captain. That is exactly what Jesus has done for all of us. We may have felt like the lowliest person on this planet, but he has made us more than a conqueror. I want to show you just a brief video this morning in closing that's going to illustrate this in another way and it's kind of comes from the same era it's from a movie it's one of my more favorite movies because I like things about knights and and kingdoms and that kind of thing and it's about a squire whose knight dies and he decides to ride as a knight secretly even though he's not a knight he's not part of the royal you know, that upper echelon of the Middle Ages, he decides to fake like he's a knight. And he gets caught. And he gets put into the stocks. But he has shown some kindness to the, king, to the prince at one time. And that's where we kind of pick up the video. And you can kind of see what happens when the prince finds out that he's in the stocks. That is exactly what Christ did for us. So how come we want to stay in the stocks? How come we allow this life to tell us we are something we are not. Why do we sit there and be content with sitting here like this, allowing people to throw things at us, instead of standing in what God has already done for us, that hope that he has given us? The kingdom of God is a kingdom of hope. Because you know what? Just like there was there in the movie, there is a tournament that you are in right now. The Bible says that we are running a race. So are you fit to compete or are you going to allow your forfeit to stand? I want us to be fit to compete because I want to cross that finish line. I don't care if I have to cross that finish line clawing my way (laughs) across that finish line. I am going to cross that finish line because he has made us more than conquerors. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Whitehall Assembly of God podcast. This is Pastor John Oscar, the senior pastor of Whitehall Assembly of God. If these messages have blessed you, I just encourage you to subscribe to these podcasts and you'll be able to hear every single message that comes out of Whitehall Assembly. 
If you are interested, go on Facebook and like us on Facebook. We do have a Facebook page, Whitehall Assembly in beautiful Whitehall, Wisconsin. We also have a website that you can visit, whitehallassembly.org, or you can come visit us in person. We are located on the corner of Dewey Street and Sheila Street in Whitehall, Wisconsin. We hope to see you there someday. If these messages have blessed you, I'd just like to encourage you to contribute toward us being able to continue to bring them to you. You can see that on our website, top right corner of the page. If you have any questions, you can contact me at my email, pastorjohnoscar at gmail.com. If you don't mind, I would just like to take a moment to pray for you before we go today. Father God, I just ask, Lord, that every single person who listens to these messages will be brought into a deeper relationship with you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let them experience the love and forgiveness that Jesus bought for us on Calvary's cross. I ask, Father, that you just use it to enrich their lives, that you use it to make them good ambassadors of the kingdom of God and bring them into your presence someday. Let them be fruitful, let them multiply, and let them be used mightily for you in these last days. Father, I commit them to your care now. In Jesus' name, amen. God richly bless you.